At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Pro Football Blitz with former Super Contest winners Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSAN, the sports betting network. Welcome in to the Pro Football Blitz, the Sunday edition of week one of the 2021 NFL season. I am Brady Cannon, live at the South Point Hotel, Casino, and Spa. My partner, James Salinas, hails from Denver, Colorado on this Sunday evening. We'll cover everything that happened on Sunday. We'll figure out how that plays into week two of the NFL campaign. We'll also preview the Monday Nighter, which happens right here in Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium, featuring the Baltimore Ravens coming to town to take on the Las Vegas Raiders. Adam Hill of the Las Vegas Review Journal will join us shortly as we break down that game in depth with Adam. We'll talk about point spreads, totals, prop bets on that game and see if we can find some edges for the Monday Nighter, the game that will wrap up week one of the NFL 2021 season. James, good evening to you and uh, the final game that will wrap up the Sunday slate will kick off in about 15 minutes and that is the Los Angeles Rams hosting the Chicago Bears from SoFi Stadium, currently here in Las Vegas. We've seen this line move quite a bit just in the last 24 hours. Currently, the Rams are a nine-point favorite with a total of 46. What are your thoughts on this contest, and do you have anything in play, James? The only thing I have in play is it's a survivor pick for me. So I do have the Rams and a few of my entries for survivor to get through week one. But aside from that, I haven't made any plays here. I think there's just a lot of question marks. We can talk about the Chicago Bears, thinking about what they're going to do at quarterback now that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter for week one. When do we see Justin Fields? Do we see some of Justin Fields tonight? Potentially, we might see a package or two. Uh, But just question marks going through, not only at the quarterback position, offensive line for sure, with this Chicago Bears team and what is the what is the identity of this team going to look like are they going to try to take some pressure off the quarterback with Dalton and try to run the ball some more and run it right into that front of the loss of the Los Angeles Rams we know how stout that front is anytime you have Aaron Donald lining up against you hard to move the football hard to pass the football too and keep your quarterback upright but I think the other side here is it's going to be interesting to see with Matthew Stafford now the quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams Jared Goff now in Detroit and we saw a pretty shaky performance from Jared Goff, especially in the first half with his new team there with the Lions. What does the play calling look like? What is, is I think for McVay, and maybe we don't see it all tonight. Obviously, it's the first week of the season, but I think as the season progresses, you have a quarterback like Stafford there, Brady, that can, yeah, I think for McVay, he's going to have opportunities to open and expand his play calling because I think over the last couple years, he really had to dial that back with Jared Goff. So just some questions for me. It's week one. We we had a lot of questions answered earlier today with a number of games, but as far as tonight's game, yeah, questions to be abound. We'll be having that game on, but they're going to kick off here in less than a half an hour. So a lot of questions can be answered as we 
progress through the game tonight. Yeah, you mentioned Jared Goff, the former Rams quarterback, really started to light it up in the fourth quarter there and made that game very interesting for a number of different reasons between the Lions and the 49ers. San Francisco hangs on to win 41-33. to But you talk about Justin Fields. Will we see any packages for him out of Matt Nagy? And maybe Matt Nagy takes a page out of Kyle Shanahan's book because we saw Trey Lance, his first quarterback or his first pass as a quarterback in the NFL was for a touchdown for the 49ers early in that game for San Francisco. Andy Dalton will start the game. And some interesting facts here about Andy Dalton, James. And we went over this a little bit in our breakdown of the game on Saturday. Jalen Ramsey, of course, the all-pro cornerback for the Los Angeles Rams. He's faced Andy Dalton twice. And Ramsey's teams have won both of those games by the score of 23-7 and 24-10. Dalton had one touchdown pass in those two games combined. Jalen Ramsey has also faced Chicago's coach Matt Nagy twice in two years, and Ramsey's teams won both of those games, 17-7 and 24-10. Tally it all up, and Ramsey has faced Dalton and Nagy four times, and he's won and covered all four of those games, and the touchdown-to-interception ratio in those four games was 2-3, to three, and their teams have failed to score more than 10 points. So Jalen Ramsey absolutely has the number of both Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton. We'll see if that plays out tonight. And I think thinking about this offensive line, I think that's the biggest concern for me for this Bears team. And I really think they're going to have to try to run the football. But like we said, we're deal, dealing with Aaron Donald in the middle. Look at this uh, retooled offensive line. Your left tackle tonight is going to be Jason Peters. He's just a couple months shy of 40 years old playing on that left side for the Chicago Bears. You're going to have an undrafted free agent playing at center. Just a lot of holes and a lot of question marks for me on this offensive line. I was looking at some team totals here. And I think as far as the Bears are concerned, I think it's going to be a struggle for the entire game for them to be able to move the football consistently. We know they've got some playmakers on the outside. We all love Allen Robinson, Robinson's play, playmaking abilities, hands, his speed. He can make yards after the catch. Mooney's got some speed to take the, the top off the defense from the slot. But I think it's, it's going to be really difficult to move the ball consistently, especially over the top against this Rams defense. You mentioned Jalen Ramsey, and we know the pass rush that we're going to see out of the Rams. And I think that's where I'll be looking to dig in. As the game progresses, looking at this score and looking at this total, I just don't have a lot of faith in the Bears to be able to put some points on the board tonight. James, you mentioned that one thing you like to look at early in the season is the stability of a team. Have they had a lot of turnover? Have they had a lot of change? Chicago's defensive coordinator, Sean Desai, is a first-time defensive coordinator, and the team has four new assistant coaches on that defense. So will that bode well for the team that is going going into Los Angeles to try and track, uh, crack the code of Sean McVay, who we know is very creative on offense. Now, this spread has really been seven and a half for a long time, throughout the summer and all the way through the week, and now we're seeing it at nine, even as high as nine and a half, and you got to understand the part of the bookmaker there that is a little bit of teaser protection, but if you were going to bet the game, I know you said you had the Rams outright in your survivor contest, but if you were going to bet the game, would you lay the points here, and would you lay as many many as nine and a half. 
too many points for me to lay, Brady. I just, I, I, something about me, I'm very frugal when it comes to laying points in the National Football League. And I, I think with this game here, it continues to tick up. And we kind of see that. We know this is the late game tonight, Sunday night football. And depending on how your bets went throughout the day, a lot of folks are wanting to get down action, whether it's it's get out or, or trying to get out of the hole or, or double up. And I think sometimes... Folks tend to chase some things, and we're sitting here in week one, the Sunday night football, and looking at the personnel and going through going through these rosters and all the transition. You mentioned the transition with the coaching staff on the defensive side for the Bears. Yeah, definitely transition there, but I think as far as the coaching acumen on the other sideline, that's what I would be betting on. And I'm, I would be betting on McVay. I think he's a very creative play caller. Now he's going to have a quarterback that he, I think he's going to feel like have to kind of hold hands for Jared Goff just to put him and narrow the focus down for him just to try to keep him successful in the offense from years past for this Rams team. Uh, but I think, again, for me, I wouldn't lay that big number, but I'd be looking more so at these team totals and getting involved with the Bears and thinking that this is going to be a struggle all night long to score and finding a team total that I like for the under tonight. Yeah, one common rule of thumb is for the Sunday night game, you can often look to play under the total because uh, the game Get even game, I like to call it. Get even or get even deeper. And a lot of the public, as you know, is going to bet the over, hoping for some fireworks on Sunday night. And as that total creeps up, maybe you can slide in and take an under. Currently, the total in this game is at 46. And I'm even seeing a 45 and a half in town, but pretty much 46s across the board. James, I did make a late teaser play on Saturday night. I teased the Rams down to minus one and a half and coupled it with the Monday night game, the Raiders, from four points up to plus ten. So I do have a little bit of a rooting interest like yourself, and uh, hey, if the Rams can win by two or three points, we're both happy. That's perfect. That's exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> just trying to get through, kind of just treading water in first in week one, and ultimately for me, Brady, I, I really tread lightly when it comes to week one of the National Football League. I know we all get excited, and football's finally here. We get pumped up. I get pumped up, too, but it doesn't mean we have to bet every game on the board, and especially for somebody like me who is definitely an eye test guy. I need to see certain things out on the field, and we'll be able to break down all the games and everything that we saw throughout the Sunday play. A uh, lot of things were really made clear with a hand with a number of teams of question marks that I had. But here, I think with this game, again, I think for me, yeah, we can be settled that way as long as the, the Rams don't cover, but the Rams can win here. I think we'll both be happy, like you said, Brady. Well, the dogs were really barking on this opening Sunday of NFL 2021, and we saw a lot of outright upsets. And let's talk about one. Early in the morning, it was the Steelers upsetting the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills highly touted by many people to go a long way this year, and we talked about this as well, James, the Steelers typically start their season out fast and then fade over the last six games or so. That's been a trend the last few years for Pittsburgh. Well, they did it again today, 23 to 16, your final. They will be visiting, the, or excuse me, they will host the Raiders next week. The Buffalo Bills will be in Miami to take on the Dolphins, who upset the Patriots. So interesting matchups for the Steelers and the Bills going into week two. And thinking, what now with the Bills playing the favorite? All the preseason hype around the Buffalo Bills. Now they were the targeted team, and we saw that come from Pittsburgh. Really, Pittsburgh, it was Pittsburgh's defense today, keeping them in the game. They were down 10 nothing at halftime. They got a block punt on special teams, but ultimately it was the, the defense that competed uh, on each and every possession, keeping them in it until they were able to try to make some things happen in the second half for Pittsburgh. And we knew it was going to take some time for this Pittsburgh offense, completely retooled offensive line, couple 
couple of rookies starting on that offensive line today. First half only managed three first downs and 54 yards of total offense. Second half got some shorter fields thanks to the defense, and I think that's where Big Ben was able to make some plays and make some throws down the field. And and once they got ahead, I think you saw the the Bills knowing that all the pressure was on them to start to meet those expectations. And really, it was just a long day for Allen back there in the pocket. Did not look comfortable throughout the entirety of the game here. So spectacular effort from the Pittsburgh Steelers, in particular on the defensive side. Yeah, absolutely. The running game still did not look great. The defense looked very good. And you talked about Ben Roethlisberger. It looked like he really found a rhythm in the second half. He threw some very good balls. I was impressed. That look-ahead line for the Bills at the Dolphins next week is the Bills minus three and a half. We'll see if that adjusts. We'll continue to roll on here and preview the Monday Nighter next on the Pro Football Blitz. into the Pro Football Blitz. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you here and we want to take a look at the Monday night game happening here in Las Vegas and uh, it's quite an exciting week here in Las Vegas with the Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Baltimore Ravens and for more on that we want to bring in our man Adam Hill. He covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal, a frequent contributor here on VSIN. Adam, thank you for coming on the program and I want to ask you what is the mood with the team right now? We know how much of a motivator John Gruden is you know he always wears his emotions on his sleeve and he, he seems to get fired up just like a fan does for these type of games and of course the whole town is fired up for this happening the first real game that counts where there will be fans in the stands so what's it been like the mood in the locker room covering this team this week I, I think there's there's managed excitement I think you could say um, I mean obviously everybody's so fired up to to get into the stadium to play in front of the fans and to to really christen the stadium that they didn't get to do last year uh, and they want to get on the field they've been hearing about Lamar Jackson the entire summer uh, getting ready for this game they just want to go out and play uh, but at the same time they understand that you have to you know manage that a little bit and not get too carried away not get too excited not get undisciplined because the last thing you need is to not have discipline when you play uh, an off like the Ravens and what they can do to you uh, if you get a little bit too over aggressive. So listen, they're excited. They want to play. They want to get out there. They want the season to start. Uh, but I think they also are kind of tempering things so they don't get too carried away when they take the field tomorrow. Adam, you're mentioning the Baltimore Ravens, that offense, and we know their identity of coming in and running the ball. Now a number of injuries in the backfield for this Ravens yeah. team coming into Monday night. But thinking about the Raiders and their defense, now we know last year the secondary, all the problems that they had covering in that on the back end. But thinking about we've, you know, there's some new faces there with this Raiders team. Number one on the defensive side with the coordinator and the headset, Gus Bradley coming over. And now a few new players up front, thinking about McCoy, who hasn't played for a couple years, but Ngakwe coming in. And K.J. Wright coming in. Talk about some of the new additions to this defensive side, and what do you think this is going to look like now with Gus Bradley taking over on the defensive side? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's going to look like, and I think that's part of the excitement for the season, right? But I, I do think, listen, I've never been accused of being, uh, you know, an apologist or a homer for the Raiders. Uh, most people think I'm way too negative on them all the time. But I do think it's funny, kind of the national narrative of, oh, this defense is terrible, this defense sucks. First of all, you don't know that. 
Second of all, like that's ignoring a lot of changes that were made on the defensive side of the ball, starting with Gus Bradley. And it's not just a new scheme. It's a scheme that fits the players a little bit better. You know, they had a guy like Jonathan Abram who can't cover you. Uh, as a safety, and he's still going to play safety, but they're not going to ask him to do that very often, right? They're going to ask him to play in the box, to go after the ball carriers, to go make tackles. That's what he could do well. So all of a sudden, you've got a guy that you're you're asking to cover people. He's not going to have to cover people anymore. That immediately makes the defense better. Uh, you brought in Trayvon Merrick, a guy uh, you got in the second round of the draft as a deep safety in this in this defense, and he's been one of the best on-ball defenders in the entire nation for two years in a row. So even if you don't think he's a great player necessarily, he fits exactly what they need him to do in this scheme, uh, then you have a question at linebacker. I think that was the biggest question going into the season, even in training camp. It said you invested, you didn't do it in this offseason. So guess what? You go get KJ Wright, who now automatically becomes your best defensive player to play linebacker. So now that unit is short up a little bit. And up front, they are a completely different team. You mentioned Yannick Ngakwe. Max Crosby can now slot in a little bit more of a specialist as a pass rusher. He doesn't play every single down because now you've got Cleve Burrell to come in, uh, provide some depth behind him. You bring in Quentin Jefferson. You bring in uh, Solomon Thomas. You bring in all these bodies that have played at a high level in the NFL. Darius Botlon, who's been uh, kind of missing for a while. Now they bring him in. Uh, if you watch the game tape from uh, the 2018 season, uh, the meetings that Gus Bradley had with the Chargers against the Ravens, uh, Darius Bottlon shows up on that film a lot, and now he's just a depth guy for the Raiders. So you brought in all these bodies along the defensive line. Does that work out? I don't know. But I, I don't think you could automatically say that this defense is as terrible as it was last year. Adam, if you're Gus Bradley, how is he planning to defend this Ravens offense? Of course, they have been a fantastic rushing team in years past, and that includes their quarterback, Lamar Jackson, but they've had incredible misfortune with injuries in the preseason to their running back core. Now, conversely, they brought in all kinds of wide receiver help because they wanted to accelerate the passing game, but they've had some injuries to the wide receivers that they brought in as well. So how do you expect this offense attack uh, to be structured for Baltimore? So you can talk about those pieces all you want and the receiver issues that they've had. That's, you know, we understand that the running back situation is a disaster. Uh, That's well documented, but I don't know that any of the pieces really matter outside of Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. Uh, Roman has really designed a great offense around Lamar Jackson has allowed him to thrive Uh, last year. You know, you want to, you talk about maybe Lamar regressing a little bit as a passer. Uh, You know, this court, this receiving court led the league in drop passes. If you uh, make him a league average uh, in drop rate, all of a sudden his passing numbers look a lot more efficient. So this is all about Lamar Jackson, what he can do with the ball and what Greg Roman does to put him in good position. Now, how the defense is going to attack that, we have a little bit of a blueprint. As I said, Gus Bradley played against this team uh, in the 2018 season twice, once in the playoffs. Uh, That's maybe not too indicative because Greg Roman was not the offensive coordinator for the Ravens at that time. He was on the staff, but he wasn't the coordinator. He put in a lot of things to help Lamar Jackson that next season. But if you do look at what – Gus Bradley did to attack Lamar Jackson, I think you'll see a lot of similarities here. What he did is put four down linemen out there, and then he played six and even seven defensive backs with those four linemen just to get as much speed as he possibly could on the field. I don't expect him to go with seven because I don't think you want to take KJ off the field that often as long as he's uh, able to, to keep his conditioning up at a high level because he just joined the team last week. I think you want him on the, t- on the field as much as possible. But otherwise, I think you will see quite a bit of six and maybe even seven, if, if Red is resting, defensive backs on the field and just let them go run. Um, now, the, the problem with that, if you want to counter it, is 
the Chargers personnel was very well suited to do that. If you go back and look who was on the field at the time, you had guys like Bosa and Ingram lining up at that defensive line, and they were penetrating all day uh, in that game. They really occupied the front uh, five of the Ravens. They didn't allow them to get to the second level, which is what they do so well effectively uh, as blockers. Uh, and that, that defensive line dominated that game. Can the Raiders defensive line do that? I'm not so sure. They're much more equipped to do it this year than they were last year, but there's going to be a ton of pressure on that defensive line to at least neutralize the offensive line. You don't have to dominate. You don't have to win every single down. You have to neutralize them. You can't let them get out and get to the second level as blockers because that is where the Ravens kill you. And then, as we said, the, Ra- the Raiders have to make sure they don't get too uh, emotional and too much fired up at the beginning, that can help you a little bit to kind of swarm to the ball, but if you don't have gap discipline against this team, you are going to get torched. Adam, I know uh, you are a betting man, so let's get to the uh, crux of the matter here. What bet would you make on this game? I've seen a lot of love for the Raiders catching points. Of course, that traditional Monday night home dog, and again, we've talked about all the emotions surrounding this, the first real game that counts with fans in the stands. We've seen the line tick down all the way to three and a half there still are some fours out there James and I talked about on Saturday maybe playing the Raiders in the first half is a good bet too because maybe you can ride a little bit of that emotion if you're a Las Vegas Raiders backer what say you my friend well, I think if you saw my super contest plays today, you wouldn't call me a betting man. Uh, I don't think that's a, that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, man, it was a disaster. Uh, but here's here's the thing: I, I like the Ravens almost all summer long. Uh, when you know this number's been up for months, and I, I thought the Ravens were going to be a really bad matchup for the Raiders because the Raiders are so weak at linebacker, or they were. I think the addition of KJ Wright changes things completely. And while everybody is so focused on the running back issues. Right now, as they play, play over my head. Sorry. Uh, while we're so focused on the running back situation, all the injuries, the Marcus Peters injury is massive. That is the big injury to the Ravens right now. We, if you go back and look what the difference in their secondary when they added him in 2019 has been night and day. Uh, and, and because he has been so good uh, in the secondary, they've been able to commit defenders in other places. Uh, so, you know, not having him out there is massive. I actually do like the Raiders to keep this game close. I'm not sure they win it, but I do think it's a close game down to the wire. So you take over a field goal. I think you, uh, you, you like that. All right, great stuff, my friend, and uh, have a great time covering this first game that ought to be a real thriller over at Allegiant Stadium. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, anytime, guys. Good luck. All right, that is Adam Hill, covers the Las Vegas Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And I think he makes a great point there about Marcus Peters, James. We hadn't really brought that up, and he absolutely changed that Ravens defense. And, you know, the injuries, the lingering issues at wide receiver, the injuries in the running back core, and then also Marcus Peters. This team uh, is going to come in a little bit empty-handed on Monday night. Where are you uh, thinking as far as this game from a betting perspective? Are you back in the Raiders or the Ravens? I have already backed the Raiders. I took them at four and a half, and I took them at four as well. And I think not only from the spot, the emotion that we're going to see at Allegiant Field tomorrow night, but yeah, all of those injuries, not only does it deplete their depth, we know Baltimore wants to come in and run the football here, but there's got to be something that's really kind of playing within their their mindset right now of how really demoralizing it is. I know it's just week one and next man up and those types of things, but it still is demoralizing when, you, when your depth has really been depleted, especially when that is the strength of your team. So yeah, I'm on the 
Raiders tomorrow night plus the number. The Chicago Bears start on offense on Sunday night football on a big run there deep into Rams territory. So Andy Dalton getting the offense underway for the Chicago Bears down there at SoFi Stadium as nine or nine and a half point underdogs. And so far, the first drive going well for the Chicago Bears. We'll come back and take a live look at that game and also cover some of the other action that went down on Sunday and take a look to, uh, towards week two in the NFL 2021 campaign. We'll be right back on the Pro Football Blitz. This is VSIN, the sports betting network. This is the Pro Football Blitz with Brady Cannon and James Salinas on VSIN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and the bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public's opinion. Data is available for money line totals and against the spread bets. Betting splits are another way vcin is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vcin.com. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you in the Pro Football Blitz. Sunday night football underway in Los Angeles between the Chicago Bears and the Los Angeles Rams. And I talked about Andy Dalton guiding that offense on their first position down the field into Rams territory. Had it inside the 10-yard line. And right now, an interception is the call on the field. Dalton threw into the end zone. The ball was tipped. And a Rams defender kind of landed on it. Again, the call on the field is an interception right now there at Commercial James. I'm not sure if that ball hit the ground first. But right now, it looks like... Dalton could have thrown his first interception of the season, and the question has been answered. Will we see Justin Fields? He took the second snap of the game, and that could be very crucial for betters who are betting on Justin Fields to take the first snap or Andy Dalton to take the first snap. Dalton cashes as taking the first snap for the Chicago Bears, but we have seen Justin Fields in action. Justin Fields was brought in in the red zone. So the threat of his his ability to run, and I think that's what we're going to see. We talked about when would we see him, would we see him tonight, when would we see him, what type of packages and situations would we see him, and we know the, the ability that he has to run. He can he has, a, he has a hose as far as his arm is concerned, too, so not just the running quarterback out there. But I think any time you put a quarterback in the red zone that has the ability to run, just puts more pressure on that defense in real time, and that's something that is difficult to prepare for when as a Rams team or any team when you have a quarterback coming in and you're switching out these quarterbacks not knowing when you're going to see them come in and play uh, so yes the question has been answered when did Justin Fields come in second second play of the game well, now the Rams are on offense, so that interception does indeed hold up for Los Angeles. They're able to turn uh, Chicago over on their first possession, and that's good if you're an underbacker right now. But the Los Angeles Rams, with Matthew Stafford behind center, are able to get a first down there, Stafford's first completion as a Rams quarterback. He finds his tight end there, and they're out to about the 35-yard line, just about 11 and a half minutes still left to go in the first quarter there in Los Angeles. And we'll check some live lines throughout 
throughout the game as well. Trying to find it here at BetMGM and it currently is suspended as far as a live line as they move the chains there. The Rams with first and 10 on their first offensive possession of the season. Let's talk about a few results earlier today, James, and see if we can forecast what we saw from some of these teams today and look ahead towards week two. And I'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles upsetting the Atlanta Falcons. You and I both thought the Eagles were really going to struggle, but boy, they held the Atlanta Falcons to six points today. And there's a Rams touchdown, by the way. The Rams are in the house. Jefferson, a touchdown pass from Matthew Stafford, and they are up six to nothing. And that makes you happy, I know, James, with the Rams as your survivor play. But let's go back to the Eagles and the Falcons real quick. 32 to six, absolutely dominant by the Philadelphia Eagles in their opener on the road at Atlanta. And so far, the Arthur Smith uh, project to inject some life into that Falcons offense did not work today. And this, that was a game where, yeah, completely on the wrong side of that one. I expected would Arthur Smith coming over. It just felt like with, with Dan Quinn there, the former coach, just really needed an, uh, a facelift there. And with, they got a facelift in with the front office as well as the coaching staff for Atlanta. I think there was just still a lot of ghosts within that franchise. A few years back, just dumping the Super Bowl 28-3 to lead late in, the fourth, late in the third quarter to the New England Patriots. I think that's just something that has lingered over that franchise and that coaching staff suspected, well, would we see a more inspired effort out of the Atlanta Falcons? And that did not come through. I think what was most disappointing in that game is Philadelphia came ready to play. Philadelphia said on both sides of the line of scrimmage, offensively and defensively, that they were going to be the tougher players at the point of attack. And that's exactly what it was. They came out and they came out firing. They came out pushing and being very physical. They were the bullies today, Brady, and we did not see any fight back from the Atlanta Falcons. It's going to be a struggle anytime we talk about trends new coaching staffs can take some time with this personnel and we know the Atlanta Falcons had a ton of holes on the defensive side but ultimately was really just disappointed with the fact that I did not see any fight in that team all the fight was on the Eagles side they were clearly the more physical team and they absolutely dominated like you said winning 32 to 6. No you're absolutely right and by the way the extra point is good for the Los Angeles Rams they take a 7 to nothing lead and they are now 15 and a half point favorites on the live line at BetMGM. So the spread almost doubling from the original number there. It closed at nine or nine and a half and all the way up to 15 and a half now. Still about 10 and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Seven nothing Rams early. Talking about the Eagles and the Falcons and looking ahead to week two, their schedule will be the Eagles hosting the San Francisco 49ers who beat the Detroit Lions today and the Falcons are at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So certainly life doesn't get any easier for the Atlanta Falcons now sitting at 0-1 and the look ahead line on this game over the summer James was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers favored by nine and a half you wonder if that will increase now of course they were tested uh, quite handily quite impressively by the Dallas Cowboys on Thursday night but the Falcons were very disappointing you wonder if this will get to double digits I think that their competitiveness will be challenged. That was thinking about the Falcons. No fight, no pushback. Just now their toughness is going to be challenged. We'll see how that plays out in the locker room over the week, throughout the week in preparation. I think for Tampa now, though, they, they have the full, they have extra time to prepare because of the Thursday night game that they had to play against Dallas. So extra time to prepare. And I think from the Tampa Bay side, I don't think they're going to be very happy with how they played, especially on the defensive side. I was really impressed with the Cowboys 
offensive line. And we knew they were missing some pieces up front in that game going into Tampa Bay, but they really kept a clean pocket for Dak Prescott in that passing game. And was I, I, I was really I, I was really impressed with how Dallas was able to hold up. We know how stout that front four and that pass rush can be, as well as the linebackers coming in with Todd Bowles and that defensive scheme to get after the quarterback. They were not able to get back in that backfield too often. So I think there's going to be some work done on that defensive side when it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they got to be they're going to be watching film of this game today and looking at Matt Ryan. I think the last piece to that Brady is Matt Ryan was never comfortable in the pocket all day today, and I, we see this with quarterbacks. And there's a certain plateau to where it's not just this gradual decline. I just saw somebody back there that had absolutely no confidence. Yeah, he was shaky, and the team was shaky all the way around. Uh, but this is a big step up in class from what we're going to see on the Philadelphia defense compared to this Tampa Bay defense. I think that number is from the look-ahead line. I think that'll definitely be adjusted rolling into next week in favor of the Buccaneers. Yeah, we'll see how the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco 49er game line adjust. They are currently four-point underdogs, Philadelphia at home. That was the look-ahead line. We'll see if that moves either direction with both teams coming off of victories. How about the Houston Texans upsetting the Jacksonville Jaguars? And, you know, there were people in the offseason, the Texans were such a mess, James. I believe this was one of your contest plays, and I took a hard look at taking the Houston Texans plus the three points as well. But Tyrod Taylor looked good, 37-21. to 21, And really the game was not that close. Trevor Lawrence kind of came back in the second half and orchestrated a few touchdown drives. He ended up with three touchdown passes, did the rookie quarterback for the Jaguars. But boy, don't, don't underestimate a sleeping dog there in the Houston Texans. Absolutely, and I think for the Texans, we we saw a team that was told all off season that you're going to be the worst team in the National Football League, and you know those guys get paid on the other side too. They are professionals; they have competitive pride, and I think that definitely showed out not only from the play that we saw from the Texans, but yeah, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars won one game last year, and that was Week One against the Colts. They had lost 15 straight games prior to that, you know, rolling out the the, the remainder of the season. So a lot of work to do for the Jacks. Jacksonville Jaguars, but for this team to be able to go on the road and be a three and or three and a half point favorite, yeah, it was a contest play for me on the Texans side and very impressed with just the competitiveness that we saw out of the Houston Texans and with Trevor Lawrence, you're going to have the roller coaster, the ups and downs and put some yards up, had three touchdowns, but ultimately at the first half, he threw three interceptions, two of which on back-to-back drives in that second quarter and that really changed any kind of momentum that they had getting into that game. They were down seven at the time of the first interception and by, by the time it was all done. It was a 20-point lead at halftime and you could just see the the enthusiasm that was going in the locker room for the Texans. The game was lost, basically, in that first half. So, you're growing pains for sure when it comes to the to the Jacksonville Jaguars and the young quarterback there, but Tyrod Taylor looked really sharp. Brandon Cooks had a big game, so those two connected early and often throughout the game against the Jaguars. So, good for the Texans and Coach David Culley, first-time coach, long-time NFL assistant, and really paid his dues. So, honestly, I was kind of happy for him to be be able to get his team rallied together and compete the way that they did. Yeah, I was happy for the Texans, too. It's tough to go through an entire offseason with everybody telling you how awful you're going to be. Andy Dalton nearly just threw another interception, but he's got the Bears on the move again, first and 10 at midfield. Now it'll be second and 10 as they trail the Los Angeles Rams, currently 7 to nothing. Your in-game line at 14.5 in favor of Los Angeles. The Texans are at Cleveland next week, and they are 13.5-point underdogs are the Texans. 
and I would imagine that's probably going to stick. It might come down a little bit off of the win by Houston, but the Browns looked awful impressive in their four-point loss to the Cle- or to the Kansas City Chiefs today. The Jaguars just one-and-a-half-point underdogs hosting the Denver Broncos. i got to believe that line is going to move. Teddy Bridgewater and the Denver Broncos looking very good today in their win over the New York Giants. We'll be right back right here at VSIN. is now available 24-7 on the YouTube TV Sports Plus package. Sign up today at tv.youtube.com to start your free trial. And remember, you can also watch us 24-7 on Fubo TV Sling and Xfinity X1. Visit vsin.com to find all the ways to watch and listen to vsin. It is the Pro Football Blitz, the Sunday edition. James Salinas and Brady Cannon with you. And currently the Chicago Bears trailing the Los Angeles Rams 7 to nothing. The Los Angeles Rams on defense currently with about six and a half minutes left in this first quarter. And make that on offense as the Chicago Bears turned it over on downs. They went for it on fourth down, fourth and four. Andy Dalton throwing to the right. The pass was broken up. And Los Angeles takes over on offense at about their own 45-yard line. There are now about six minutes left in this first quarter as Matthew Stafford has his team driving and trying to get into Chicago territory right now. The in-game line, James, when that fourth down conversion failed for the Chicago Bears, moved to 17 and a half in favor of Los Angeles, and they are indeed into Chicago territory now at about the 39-yard line as Stafford slides there, and he is touched to touch down there by the Chicago defense, but still 17 and a half as far as the spread in favor of Los Angeles, and your total has ticked up to 48 and a half. Any thoughts there as far as an in-game move, James? I still think talking about this total and uh, the Rams are moving the football. Stafford's looks sharp so far in the pocket. There's another completion now on third down. Looks like he's third and about four or five to go. Uh, but looks sharp on offense. I think the Rams will do their part to, to add to that total. I just don't trust the Bears right now. We've seen it. They did move the ball. They opening kickoff had a very favorable field position with a great kickoff return and then a big run. And then we've seen Dalton sputter in the red zone, interception in the end zone. Now turned it over on downs. Just not a quarterback that I'm going to trust, especially, and really it comes down to the offensive line for me for Chicago. I think it's just going to be a struggle all season, all season long, and definitely in this matchup here against the Rams, Brady, struggle all game long for them to put any points on the board like we talked about prior to the prior to the game. So that's where I'm going to be digging in here. I just got locked out of mine, so we'll, we'll come back. It's incomplete on third down. We'll see what the decision is here on fourth and five. Kind of that in-betweener right now. Do you want to go for it on fourth and five, or do you want to kick a 50-plus yard field goal? We'll see what they do. Yeah, on third and five, Stafford tries to go deep down the left sideline. And now Matt Nagy, uh, Sean McVay facing the same decision Nagy had just moments ago. Fourth and five for the Los Angeles Rams. And they remain 17.5 point favorites on the live line. Your total now up to 49.5. Let's uh, talk about some contest plays, James. I felt pretty good. I was going really good throughout the day. I thought I was going to maybe be able to post a four and one, but I settled for a three and two. I 
had the Arizona Cardinals plus the points. Of course, they won outright. I had the Falcons. We talked about that one. That did not work out well. I had the Saints, and that was over quickly in their big win over the Green Bay Packers. I had the New York Giants, and they were really blown out by the Denver Broncos. And then I had the Cleveland Browns, and that was a little bit of a sweat. I was getting six points there. They lost by four. So I'm okay with the three and two. I always say there's absolutely nothing wrong with hitting 60%. Absolutely not, especially week one. We know week one of all the weeks, probably the first week of the season and then the very last week of the season when we just don't know about the availability of certain players depending on where their playoff status is going into the following week. I think those are the two challenging weeks of all the weeks in the NFL season. Here, I'm sitting kind of in the same boat. Now, I have multiple entries in, in a number, uh, the both different contests. So right now, I'm basically sitting at two and two, and I've, I've kind of moved around with a number of, a number of different entries. I did have the Texans in a couple of those plays. I had I had the Washington football team that I think ultimately that defensive line couldn't get any pressure. I was really impressed with what we saw from the Los Angeles Chargers up front to keep a clean pocket for Justin Herbert, who had a great day throwing the football and moving the sticks. They were really effective on third down. Lost that one there. We already talked about the Falcons and their toughness getting challenged. No leadership out on that field that we saw from Atlanta today and did have the Browns in one of the I did have the Browns as well and then I had have the rest of the t- contest tied up for me tomorrow night, depending on which contest you're in. It was Raiders plus four, and I think in the, uh, in the circuit was four, and a super contest, I have the Raiders plus four and a half. All right, very good. So, yeah, you and I both uh, could be looking at a three and two start to begin contest season, and certainly, like I say, nothing wrong with that. I don't mind going three and two at all. You talked about the Los Angeles Chargers, and, and I'm right there with you. Justin Herbert, man, doesn't look like he's uh, ready for a sophomore slump. Very impressive today. He and Keenan Allen hooking up on some very big plays. And uh, I I think Brandon Staley, the coach, knows what his quarterback has in that arm because he just really let him sling it around the yard. Even on third and long, he wasn't afraid to call a long passing play with his young quarterback there. And a very interesting matchup coming up for the Chargers next week, James. They get a win. They put a win in the win column on the road. They will travel back to Los Angeles next week to take on the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, the Cowboys will have extra rest playing on Thursday. The look-ahead line over the summer was the Chargers favored by a point and a half. I imagine it's probably going to be similar. The Chargers looked impressive, as did Dallas. And I think especially offensively for both. Now, thinking about the Chargers today, that's where I wanted to see in the trenches. I was going with Washington, that front four. We saw them last year, how tremendously effective they were at getting to the quarterback, just rushing four, not having to bring bring multiple blitzes and, and different packages up front. They just got after it all season long with that front four. Well, they got handled today, and I think that was the, that was the difference. I know Justin Herbert had a great game, but his pocket was clear throughout the majority of, of the day, and they were able to move the sticks very effectively. They were 14 of 19 on third down. That was the biggest piece there. They dominated time of possession, and I think they really wore down that Washington football team defense because they just couldn't get off the field because they couldn't get to the they couldn't get to the quarterback. You get a clean pocket for a player like Justin Herbert and the talent that he has at the wideout positions to sling it around out there. He had a sensational game, but Big credit goes to the to the offensive line for the Chargers. Now thinking about the other offensive line for Dallas. Now we know they're missing a few pieces. Collins is now suspended for the next five games due to PED use. So they're a little short up front are the Dallas Cowboys going into this matchup. But looking at the schedule, I'm not saying this is going to be a flat spot for the Chargers. Big game for them. Going to be the home opener for the Chargers. But looking ahead, they have a game at 
Kansas City the following week. So always something to be mindful of, not only looking ahead to the following week, but what is beyond that and trying to see if maybe this, could this be a bit of a flat spot. I'm not saying it is a flat spot, but something to consider anytime you've got the, the division champ that we've seen in Kansas City and the AFC champ for the past two years sitting on deck in week three. The Chicago Bears back on offense and on first and 10 from their own 25-yard line. They take a loss, that Rams front seven, really getting into the backfield there and putting the Chicago Bears at second and long now. The defense maybe got a little bit of a win as they held the Los Angeles Rams to a field goal. So now 10 to nothing in favor of Los Angeles. About four minutes left in the first quarter there from SoFi. Your in-game line has moved to 18 and a half in favor of Los Angeles and your total moves to 48 and a half. James, what was maybe the biggest surprise for you today? Was there anything that was incredibly impressive or surprising, disappointing either way that really stuck out to you on this first Sunday of NFL 2021? I think the game that we were just referencing with the the Washington football team and their defensive front not being able to generate any kind of pressure. Now, I know with the Chargers, they retooled their offensive line. They only had one starter from last year that was out there on the field today, uh, but and they brought some talent over. I just figured it was going to take some time for them offensively, especially at the line of scrimmage, to, to get connected. You're going on the road. Communication could be an issue when it comes to crowd noise. Uh, not an issue whatsoever. That team was completely prepared. They had a new coaching staff going into the Chargers as well. So a lot of new moving pieces. That's why I went with the Washington football team route. And really, I think what was disappointing to me, we're talking about what was most surprising. I'll talk about what was most disappointing, is that we didn't see really any kind of adjustment from from two old school head coaches there with Jack Del Rio, the defensive coordinator, and Ron Rivera. We know he's a defensive mind too, that it was still continued. No creativity with the pass rush. If you're just rushing the lanes and you didn't get home, they couldn't get home, can we see some stunts, some twists, any kind of thing to kind of change it up, make some adjustments on that defensive side to try to hurry Herbert because he was throwing the ball over the yard. I think for me of all the games, and probably disappointed because that was one of my plays that I was really counting on with the Washington football team and that defensive front completely dominated by the Chargers on the on their offensive line. That was most surprising to me and disappointing. No adjustments and no creativity coming out of the Washington football team defensive coordinator. Well, kudos to Brandon Staley, the new head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers too. Apparently, that retooling of the offensive line, getting Rashawn Slater in the draft and then bringing over Corey Lindsley and Brian Bulaga, uh, they were able to neutralize Chase Young. Quite a good job by the Chargers offensive line, giving Justin Herbert time to sling it all over the yard. And he was able to hit Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, his two studs there at wideout. So the Chargers, I thought, looked really good. I'll tell you what was really impressive for me. And I want to ask you, James, if you can use this handicapping going forward. Uh, obviously, the Rams are out to a good start right now, 10 to nothing over Chicago. If they go on to win this game, that would be a 4-0 and sweep for the NFC West. The Cardinals, of course, getting a win outright at Tennessee. The 49ers beating the Lions and the Seattle Seahawks. I know that was a game you had winning outright at Indianapolis. I'll get your answer when we come back on the other side, but the NFC West out to a 3-0 start and the Rams rolling right now in the first quarter at SoFi. This is the Pro Football Bits. We'll be right back on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. 